Josie DeVidio is a woman with too much time on her hands and a curiosity to explore the human experience with a passion to bring entertaining and informative content to your ears. Real talk, real people. This is Josieology. Hello, friends. Welcome to Josieology. I am your host, Josie DeVidio. I am a wife, a podcaster, and sometimes a middle-aged restless sleeper. My guest today is Christine Stevens, a certified sleep consultant and owner of Sleep Solutions by Christine. She's been featured in the Washington Post and Business Insider and is a regular contributor to Romper.com and Thrive Global. She was also our guest uh, for podcast number four. So you'll want to go back and listen to that episode. That one was all about how to get your babies and toddlers to sleep. But today we are here to discuss older folks, <laughs> those of us who have entered the sleepless middle age. Hey, Christine, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Actually, I had a good night's sleep last night, so I'm doing really well today. Um, but before we dive in today, I want to make sure our listeners understand that the information in this episode is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice or diagnoses or treatment. Anything that we discuss today, um, in fact, any content related to this episode, including text, graphics, images, information, anything available on today's episode, either here while you're listening or on the website or in the Facebook page or groups are for general information purposes only. So Christine, for those who don't know you, tell us about yourself and how you became a sleep expert. Oh, cool. Well, thanks again for uh, having me on again. Um, I really love, I love doing podcasts. They're so much fun. Um, yes, I got into the world of sleep a couple of years ago and I did it from, and, and the real reason I got into it was that my own baby at the time, who's now five, was just the worst sleeper on earth. It was like still waking up every single hour all night long. It was awful. Plenty of Google searches in the middle of the night of, you know, why is my baby not sleeping? I'm getting maybe three or four hours of sleep at night, working a full-time job, trying to carry two cell phones and get phone calls in the middle of the night. So between that and the baby, I was not sleeping at all. It was horrible. And I really wondered why in the world I, you know, <laughs> did I really want to keep doing this mom thing? It's like, really, this is awful. Um, <laughs> so I can actually relate to a lot of my clients when they say I'm so tired. Yes. But after getting her sleeping and I realized that she could sleep at night, it just took a little bit of change on her part and mine that, you know, sleep was really, wow, I didn't have to be a sleep deprived parent. And that seemed to really just open some doors. Um, so I initially started working out with just with kids um, and getting them to sleep. But I had more and more adults coming to me saying, oh, it's great that you got my kid to sleep, but can you help me? And so I started taking some additional courses on sleep. And I just started digging in and diving into every bit I could about sleep, reading every book I could, taking every class I could. And just going back and, and really learning the science of sleep and all the things that affect it. And so working with adults now, I get to teach adults a lot about just the holistic side of sleep, that it's not just go lay down and go to sleep at night. 
there are so many things that affect how well you sleep, when you sleep. And so now it's, I get to work with clients to help them improve their sleep, uh, get back to normal sleep again, uh, that many have not had for a very long time for various reasons. Well, and I think it's important that you bring up that it is a holistic approach because I think we all, once we enter this zone of um, interrupted sleep, that we all blame our hormones. And hormones is really just part of the puzzle. But I think we kind of forget that because everything else seems to be, I don't know, out of our frame of reference. But hormones, we get hormones. So we figure hormones are changing. That is why I'm not sleeping. But there are so many things that go into sleeping well at this age. Definitely. Yes. Uh, adults really kind of resor- resign themselves to, uh, well, I just, I'm never going to sleep again. Or they just assume that we don't need as much sleep, even as we hit middle age, as we get older. But actually, it turns out we still do. Um, so if you go and read the book, Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, he talks a lot about a how our sleep changes, um, and you could you could talk about this for hours about the the ways our sleep changes as we get older. And it's not that we don't need as much sleep; we still need as much sleep. That's seven to nine hours, but it changes. We all change how we sleep. And yes, one of those things that we all have to deal with as we get older, ladies, is you know obviously hormones change. But you'd be really surprised that when you start looking at all those other things that affect our sleep, things like exercise, things like nutrition, things like our just our general sleep habits. You'll be really surprised to see that maybe hormones aren't quite the ultimate culprit behind a, a bad night of sleep. Well, let's go there first then. Let's talk about nutrition. I know that for me personally, I've gotten to the point where coffee is a problem. So if I am going to have coffee, I have to have it before 11 a.m. If I have any coffee after 11 a.m., it doesn't matter how tired I am, I am not falling asleep that night. So obviously there are some things other than coffee that can hinder or even help our sleep nutritionally, depending on what we're trying to do, right? Right. And I don't get me wrong, I love coffee too. Coffee is a social, for, for most of us, it's very social. Yes, it's a chance to go meet your girlfriends and go gab for an hour or two and just sit down and have a drink um, other than, you know, whatever, a soda, alcohol, whatever it is. But it's a, it's a social thing for us. So it doesn't mean you have to completely give up, give up coffee. I mean, I enjoy my cup of coffee in the morning. Part of it is, is just relaxing and just enjoying the warm drink that tastes good. It's a delicious cup of morning warmth and goodness. Right. And it's... <laughs> Everyone in my house, it's no one's up yet. My little one's not up yet. And it's just a chance to have my miracle morning and really just kind of set myself up for the day. And what do I need to do today? And okay, these are the things that need to be done and kind of set up my schedule, maybe even get a little work done. But yes, it is, it's totally social. So just, you probably want to cut it off before, you know, after like lunch is probably when you cut it when to cut it off. Because I know that if I drink coffee after lunch, I guaranteed I will wake up at about two in the morning and be wide awake. And that's the thing too, is for some people you can fall asleep, but then you wake up in the middle of the night. And for some people you just can't fall asleep. I mean, there are times where I just toss and turn and I'm thinking, gosh, that decaf, you know, and I even get decaf sometimes, but 
decaf, it does not mean no calf. It still has caffeine. It's just less yeah. caffeine than the regular coffee that you would get. So, you know, at, at, when I'm still tossing and turning at 1230 or, or one in the morning, I'm cursing that decaf vanilla latte that I had at, you know, 2 p.m. because it sounded good or because I was walking by Starbucks and it smelled good. So, But it was so good. It was good at the time. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was good at the time. Uh, yeah. What about eating? Is Do you find that eating after a certain period of time affects sleep as well? Oh, definitely. It's, uh, you know, you can't go and eat a greasy, big, giant, greasy burger for dinner and like try to go to sleep immediately. You're probably going to give your, time, your, your body a little time to, you know, relax and digest. Um, so timing of your eating, what you're eating can absolutely affect your sleep. Watch also when it comes to eating before bed, watch the alcohol. You know, a lot of us, me and myself included, will go have a glass of wine with dinner sometimes. Um, but having that glass of wine or, you know, alcoholic beverage a little too close to bed can affect your sleep as well. So it's a lot about the timing and more of what you're eating. So try not to eat a huge meal right before bed. Is there a certain time frame that people should stop eating? Like if you know you go to sleep or go to bed at 11, should you stop eating, you know, three hours before, you know, four hours? Is there a, like something that's of a rule of thumb? It's not so much a, a perfect number because everybody's a little bit different. But, you know, for me personally, I'm about, I'm about an hour and a half to two hours where I say, okay, I probably need to cut this off before I go to bed. And I'm I'm really in bed early. I'm such a, not like 9.30 at night, I'm asleep, yeah. like gone. By 10 o'clock, I am, yes, in la-la land. So yeah, about, you know, watch the evening snacks and things like that. But, you know, generally about two hours before bedtime is probably a good time to stop. For a period of time, I was doing the keto diet and not the one where you eat like bacon all day long. I was following this new holistic nutritionist. Her name is Leanne Vogel. Um, she has written several books, but the book I had was uh, The Keto Diet. I'll put it in the show notes. But she also has a podcast called The Keto Diet Podcast. So if you are curious and want to listen to her, I would recommend her because she approaches the keto diet from a holistic perspective where it's also like gluten-free and dairy-free. And I'm a gluten-free person, so I appreciated her angle on the diet. So the premise of the keto diet is you're eating way more fats then moderate proteins, and then very low carbs. And what she found in her journey was that for women specifically, you can't go that low on the carbs because if you go too low on the carbs, it's going to disrupt your sleep. Mm -hmm. So her, you know, part of her philosophy is if you're having trouble sleeping, you know, because of what you're eating, then you have to boost your carbs a little bit in the evening. So it kind of got me thinking about you know, it really does, you know, you are what you eat in a variety of ways. And it does manifest itself in sleep in that if you're not eating properly, and even not eating in the proper percentages or amounts of, you know, nutritionally what you should be taking in, it can also disrupt your sleep. Have you found that to be the case? Absolutely. Yeah, you are what you eat. How many times, you know, your blood sugar drops when you haven't had enough to eat, so it's a little bit tough to eat or get to sleep. But you also, you know, eating too much of the wrong thing and it's going to take time, you know, then you have that blood sugar spike 
like me last night with her, with uh, having a slice of cake last night. I was like, well, I'm on a sugar high. This is going to take a little while to come down. <laughs> so yes, you can, st- I mean, you still can enjoy the foods that you want to. Um, I'm all about moderation, everything in moderation. And, you know, you want a piece of cake once in a while, have a piece of cake. Try to not to make it huge and try not to make it too close to bedtime. But yes, do I have a glass of wine if you want one? Just don't drink it right before bed. Yeah, I guess I should clarify when I talk about carbs and in nutrition, I don't mean cake or my favorite like potato chips or tortilla chips. Carbs can be carbs can be a piece of toast with some peanut butter. Right. Um, it's a great that's a great snack. It's got a good mix of protein in the peanut butter and a good mix of carbs from the sliced bread. Right. I mean, it could be it could be as simple as you know looking at your dinner plate and saying, oh, maybe I should add a sweet potato to this. Or, you know, some complex carbohydrate that's going to help give you, give your body the energy that it needs to stay asleep overnight. That's right. So you mentioned exercise earlier. Let's talk about how that can help or hinder sleep. You know, when is the best time to exercise? Is it better to exercise in the morning? Is it better to exercise at night? I know some people who, if they go to exercise at night, get all, I don't know, amped up and then it's harder for them to sleep. But I'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, I like to look at an individual's schedule during the day. I mean, some people are inherently morning people. Some people are a little more evening people or afternoon exercisers. And it really doesn't matter what time of day you exercise, but maybe it's not a good idea to exercise right before bed because we tend to get really you have all the endorphins going through our brains and we're really happy and our heart rates are wide open and they're going, maybe not a good idea to do it right before. Um, but if you find that, you know, you're a more of a morning exerciser, which I am, because if I don't exercise in the morning, I will make 20 excuses why I shouldn't work out in the afternoon. Right. Oh, well, I'll just, I'll go later on. Um, or yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be cooler later. I'll feel better later you know, insert excuse here. (laughs) So I am much more of a morning exercise person because of my own schedule and and when I want to. Uh, My husband, on the other hand, has always been the afternoon workout guy. And he loves working out at late in the afternoon, going into dinner time. That's always been his time, but he's conditioned himself to do that. And that's when he's been working out for 25 plus years. And so that's what he's used to. So it doesn't matter what time of day you exercise, you know, but you probably don't want to get your heart rate up racing right before bed. Um, if you're, if you're looking to get a little bit of exercise in and you don't, and it's getting a little closer to bedtime, think of things like yoga. It's, it's still a workout. So if you haven't tried yoga and you don't think it's a workout. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> I've seen a few guys that said, oh, it's okay. I'll be fine. And they're crying by the end of the class. Right. <laughs> Or the next day, the next day, if you're not used to yoga, the next day is, you know, unpleasant. Oh, yeah. So low, you know, weights are good if you're getting a little bit, if you're more of an evening, getting close to bedtime, uh, maybe not that high intensity cardio. When you bring up yoga, you also remind me about meditation. So, you know, some people are tired at the end of the day. They don't even have the energy to do yoga. But I think something like meditation could be helpful just to kind of quiet your mind, quiet your body, and just get yourself mentally ready to go to sleep. Yeah, it's time to wind down. Um, It's probably one of the 
biggest complaints that I get of my adult clients is that they just can't shut off in the evenings um, to go to bed because of whatever. They've got 20 million things going on. They're thinking of everything they've got to do the next day, everything they didn't finish that day and that afternoon. So one of the things that I usually suggest to them is to do a little bit of journaling. Um, some people don't, don't like meditation. So you can use things like a meditation app. I mean, you can go on YouTube and find guided meditation. Right. It's really just helping your brain to, to focus, to wind down, to just really kind of be a little more mindful of, what you, of you and where you are in that, in that present time. But, you know, if you, can't, if you can't do that or, you know, meditation just isn't your thing, which is okay, um, then journaling is really good. Um, and do a brain dump before bed. If you're finding yourself, you can't shut down, then it's just, hey, um, I need to... I need to write down all the things that I have to do tomorrow and I'll do it sometimes too myself. I will start to find that I will, my brain will start to race. Oh, okay. I got to do that. I got to do that. All right, quick, write it down really fast and take two seconds and tell myself, okay, this is my list for tomorrow. It'll be there tomorrow. Right now it is time to sleep and it's time to relax and that's it. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful tool. I've done that before too, because I am one of those people that can lay down and my brain will race with all the stuff I, like you said, didn't get to finish, have to remember to do tomorrow, um, you know, stuff I want to do next week. Oh, I got to call that person. So I, what I've resorted to doing is putting a pad of paper on my night table right next to me and literally I will be half asleep and my brain is still working and I'll go, okay, let me just write this down. And then I have to tell myself, you wrote it down. You're not going to forget. It's okay to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's been really helpful. Yeah, because then you, you will spend more time worrying about, I'm going to forget to make that phone call tomorrow. Whether it's to call to make an appointment with a vet for the dog, or right. I have to, oh, I need to make sure that I finish that part of a project at work, or you know, whatever it is. It's, you're going to worry more about forgetting about worrying it. then it will be to just write it down and say, yeah, okay, it's there. There's my to-do list for the next day. Done. Right. So when I told my listeners that I was going to be interviewing you specifically about sleeping as an adult, I had a lot of questions. Um, Mainly the gist of all the questions were this, how do I fall asleep and stay asleep and be healthy because they've taken over the counter products, but they're not really sure how safe those things are. So, of course, if you're asking that question, stuff we've already discussed is good sleep hygiene to implement. But a lot of people were asking about uh, natural solutions or supplements for sleep. So let's get dive into that a little bit. A lot of people have taken magnesium or calcium to fall asleep, and some have done it with some success. Do you know anything about that? Hmm, those are kind of interesting ones. I mean, I've heard, I've heard of a bunch of different ways of, of things that people will take. I mean, everything from tart cherry juice to a glass of milk, whatever they, they feel like it takes. I mean, honestly, the, the research is still, it's, out, it's still out there. There's, there's no definitive conclusion that, well, if I, if I drink tart cherry juice, it's going to make me fall asleep. I think a lot of things like that could be magnesium, could be calcium you might be deficient in those things, or it's the good old placebo effect. I actually took something, oh, and I slept better. Yeah, that's a good point. So you've got to look at 
you know, it might work maybe one night, it might work two, but you've got to overall look at everything else that's going on. You know, in any scientific experiment, you have to, um, you can only have so many variables before you, before you can figure out what the actual, what the actual conclusion is and, and figure out what that one thing was that, that made the difference. Right. I think that's what people want is they want a quick fix, a quick solution, uh, you know, take this one pill and be done with it. But like you're saying, you have to try a variety of things and see what's actually working for you. And you can't just try it once or twice. I mean, you have to give it enough time to see if it's working. I have had experience with uh, calcium and magnesium personally. And when I was doing in fact, I think I learned this from that Leanne Bogle, the, the keto diet lady, that, you know, if you're taking supplements, you have to make sure you're taking them in the form that you is best absorbed in the body. In this example, I'll use magnesium as, as the thing. Magnesium as a supplement comes in many different forms, but they're not all created equal. Some Magnesium um, formulations will disrupt people's stomachs. Some will, you know, have different side effects for people. But the one that she recommended and had studies to back up was that you should take chelated magnesium glycinate. Um, and that's a little bit harder to find, but it's, you know, if you go to like a natural food store, you're going to find it, especially if you ask for that. And I'll have this stuff in the show notes too. So uh, on the website, so I, I keep bringing up the show notes, but the show notes, the full show notes are on the website and they correlate with th this episode. So when you find this episode, you'll see every, pretty much all the, anything that we've talked about that you might want to remember. So in this particular form of magnesium, this chelated magnesium glycinate, apparently that's much easier for your body to absorb. So if you are deficient in that, or if your body needs that to help you sleep, that's the kind you're going to want to get. Most magnesium that's sold is um, citrate, magnesium citrate. And I think that just doesn't work as well for people and it's not easily digested. So, you know, it's complicated. It's not as easy as like, oh, well, my friend said take magnesium. I'll just go buy some. You have to know what you're buying. Um, the calcium thing makes sense to me. Like you said, a glass of milk. You know, I just think of like when our, we're babies, we have milk before we go to sleep typically, you know. And so I think that physiologically, our body's just used to that biorhythm of having an influx of calcium before going to sleep. So you're right. There are no studies on that that I am aware of, but that seems to make sense to me. It could. It could work for some and it depends. But really, with taking any supplement, you want to make sure, you know, at least check with your doctor because you want to make sure there's no drug interactions. You want to make sure that you're taking the right dose. Yeah, you want to make sure that there's nothing that's going to affect other things or that you're that there's some other undiagnosed problem that could be going on that you might be trying to fix on your own. So exactly. just be careful of, of medic, you know, any kind of supplements, whether they call them natural or whatever, because a lot of people will get into uh, the other thing that a lot of people will get into, even though they're over the counter are things like sleep aids, uh, you know, Unisom and there's different, there's, you know, whatever different sleep medicines that are out there and, or straight melatonin. Um, and a lot of people will report, Oh, it works great. Well, things like melatonin, things like those sleep aids will initially help you fall asleep, but they're not going to keep you asleep. Yeah. From what I understand, especially with melatonin, is that your body develops a tolerance for it over time. So it might work initially for you, but it'll stop working eventually. You know, I want to go back to a point you made that 
to be careful that you're not trying to treat something that's a bigger medical problem because there are medical conditions where you do wake up in the middle of the night and they need to be addressed more seriously by a physician. You know, some people with diabetes, they may not even have it diagnosed yet, but the diabetes will cause you to get up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. There's uh, prostate issues. You know, if you're having a prostate problem, that will cause you to get up in the middle of the night. So there are many medical conditions that may also interrupt your sleep. So if you're one of those people that you feel like, I've tried everything and nothing's working, you really should go to the physician and and have yourself evaluated and see if there's something else going on. Right. A lot of medications, a lot of the side effects of medications that people are taking now um, include sleep issues of some sort, how it will affect your sleep. Um, so you may have to definitely talk with your doctor about those issues. And when they, when they ask you, are you having any problems? Be very honest with whatever your situation is so that either medication is adjusted, whatever that is, or taking a look at the, the behavioral side, all those other things that are affecting your sleep to see maybe where the culprit could lie. So, Christine, when we come back, I want to talk about the latest buzzword in supplements, which is CBD oil. Okay. Hey, friends, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much for the loyal listeners who have left ratings and reviews on iTunes. Those ratings and reviews really help the show get noticed by people who don't know me. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Today, I want to give a special shout out to CWR13 for writing the following review. Excellent interview. Very important topic. I learned a lot. Thanks to Josie and Ed for a very informative interview. That person is referencing episode number one, which was all about social media safety. And again, we want to thank you, CWR13, for taking a moment and leaving us a five-star rating and review. If you have a moment and wouldn't mind heading over to iTunes to leave us a review, that would be awesome. And you never know, I might just say your name on a future episode of Josiology. All right. So, Christine, I'm sh- I don't know if in your state um, they have legalized marijuana, but in California they have. So now CBD oil is all the rage for a variety of ailments. And um, I think I want to say even before marijuana was legalized here, you could get CBD oil, but I think it was harder to get. I'm not sure because I never really sought it out. But now that it's legalized, there's CBD oil everywhere. I mean, it's, it's like vitamin C here. And it claims to do everything from help you sleep to I've, I've heard some crazy ones of it. It'll cure cancer. I, you know, that's, it's still very early. And I look at a lot of research when I hear that something is new and maybe it's the newest, coolest thing. um, It seems like it's just everywhere, but show me the science to back it up. Show me that it actually works. Now, do I believe that that it can work in some situations? Yeah, it probably does. Um, It's different for everybody, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of all the rage now and I'm kind of seeing it. So a lot of people are very quick to jump on it. Yeah. Again, I think that goes back to, you know, when you're not sleeping well, you're kind of desperate. You want some sleep. You want a quick fix, a quick solution. So people are willing to try anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People do, do get desperate. You're right. They get desperate and they, they just want some sleep. They're, they're, they've been sleeping or not sleeping for so long. They're just willing to try it. 
So, you know, in addition to looking at, you know, what you're, what you're ingesting and what you're taking. Yeah. Start taking a look at all those other things that we've kind of already started to to talk about a little bit and things like the nutrition, things like the exercise and the rest of, you know, general sleep habits. I think nutrition doesn't get enough credit here because for example, people are willing to take melatonin to help them sleep, but they don't understand the process. So here's how I, I understand it and on the most basic level. Melatonin gets turned into serotonin and serotonin is a brain chemical that helps you sleep. But if you think about it, like I'm, I'm, most people have heard about the jokes about, you know, turkey at Thanksgiving and it makes you sleepy. The tryptophan. Right. It's the tryptophan. So the tryptophan is what your body, when you're digesting the food, the tryptophan in the turkey gets turned into melatonin, which gets turned into serotonin. So the nutrition itself could fix the problem potentially instead of just taking the melatonin. The other problem with taking melatonin is you're taking it through your mouth. So it has to go through the digestive system and that's a really harsh system. So you're probably not getting enough to really do what you need it to do. Um, I also believe it doesn't cross the blood brain barrier and that's where your, you know, your brain is what needs it to tell your body you need to sleep. So, you know, increase your turkey, increase things that have tryptophan in it. Or if you are hell-bent on doing a supplement, then what you might consider doing instead is either taking tryptophan or one better is taking something called 5-hydroxytryptophan. And I'll have these in the show notes too. But 5-hydroxytryptophan, when you digest that, your body will naturally use that as a compound to make its own tryptophan to make its own melatonin, its own serotonin. And all of that, because it's such a a basic form of the compound, this 5-hydroxytryptophan, it's called 5-HTP. Then your body can use what it wants and dump what it doesn't want. And that 5-HTP has the ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and, and your body can use it more readily. And so before you jump on and start taking supplements, you really need to know what they're doing and why they're doing it. And if you can bypass the whole thing by just changing your dietary habits, I think that's ultimately the best way to go. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, I'm much more in change my diet, change my exercise, change my before I start, before I start taking a pill to get me to sleep. Now let's talk about something that is probably the hardest thing for me to change in terms of sleep hygiene. And that is screen use. Everything is digital now. Everything is easily accessible. My phone, my iPad, my laptop. I, you know, I could be watching TV, which is another giant screen, and then go, oh, I want to look that up. So then I'll pull up my iPad or whatever. And so up till I'm ready to shut my eyes, I could be easily staring at different screens. So let's talk about how these screens can affect maybe our sleep cycles or biorhythms. Yeah. So the, the reason that it's, it's recommended that you don't use screens um, right before bedtime is that the, the blue wavelength of light that comes from screens, that's TVs, tablets, phones, whatever that is, is the same blue wavelength of light that comes from the sun. It tells us it's time to stay awake. That's our, part of our natural circadian rhythm. When you see the sun, your body goes, oh, it's time to stay awake. When it starts getting dark, that's why we're all tired by four o'clock in the afternoon in the wintertime. 
because the sun starts going down. You find yourself wanting to go to sleep. Um, obviously, with with lights and everything else, we've all kind of pushed that a little bit, but so we don't follow the natural rhythm of the sun anymore. But yeah, that's the the blue wavelength of light is telling your brain it's time to stay awake. So sitting there staring at that screen is just like standing out in the sunshine. And your brain is not going to start making that natural melatonin and getting ready for sleep. So yeah, it's hard. I know whether you run your own business and it's very easy to sit in front of your computer when you get at home at night, whether you're watching a movie, working on a project. Oh, I could just work on it. It's just a little bit longer. Unfortunately, we're, we're not getting ready to sleep. So at least for adults, I usually tell them, you know, cut the screens off at least 30 minutes to an hour before you're ready to go to bed. And don't be staring at your phone until it's time to go to sleep. It's going to take you longer to fall asleep. And it's going to really take longer for your brain to get into that really deep restorative sleep. Now, a couple of possible solutions for this, of course, is one to get rid of the TV in your room, which I, I'm going to be honest, that's never going to happen in my house. <laughs> Just don't watch it till you go to sleep. I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, I, I don't really prefer to have a TV in a bedroom, but it's kind of a compromise. Yeah. Don't watch it all the way to sleep. Um, yeah, I mean, you can choose to read a book instead. I mean, I have tried doing that. I like to read, so that's not a big issue for me, but Sometimes it feels like, oh, reading is going to be so much harder work on my brain than watching mindless television. But, you know, if it's affecting my sleep, then obviously that's a possible solution. I've also purchased these blue blocking glasses. I'm wearing mine today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a good point is that now they're starting to make regular eyeglasses with this blue blocking tint in them. My son just got a pair. But so if you're, you know, if you're an eyeglass wearing person, you might want to ask about that next time you go to your um, optometrist about this coating that they can put on the lens for blue blocking. Right. And it filters. And it's, uh, you know, according to my eye doctors that that it filters, it doesn't block a hundred percent of the, of the blue wavelength, um, but it significantly reduces it. She said it was about 80%. So I find that using these I found that I used them for the computer because I don't, I don't normally wear glasses. I've got good old 2020 vision, but I found that as I'm sitting in front of my screen, especially when I got this new computer of mine, that I'm sitting in front of the computer most of the day working. And by the end of the day, my eyes were just so tired. I just, it was hard to focus on things. Reading got a little bit tougher. I sometimes would get headaches and just didn't really, didn't feel very good. So once I got the glasses, it does, um, in addition to the blue light filtering that it has on the lenses, um, it also has a little bit of magnification. So it helps with the eye strain. So at the end of the day, your eyes don't feel quite as tired and it does help with headaches or something. So it helped me. So it's, it's definitely worth trying. Yeah. And if you are not in the market for a new set of eyeglasses, you can buy just, you know, they look like sunglasses, but they have this blue blocking tint in the lens. And I bought a pair from Amazon. The set I bought is, they're kind of funny because they look like, oh gosh, I'm dating myself now, but like, you know, the risky business glasses that Tom Cruise used to wear. (laughs) They look like that, but they have like this funny yellow lens. And so I got to tell you, I look really sexy in them. (laughs) They're just a really funny looking pair of glasses, but they work pretty well. 
you know what I'll do actually is I'll take a picture of myself wearing them because they're pretty funny. And I'm going to post that picture in the private Facebook group. So if you guys want to see that, you're going to have to head over there. It's the Joseology private Facebook group. It's private. So you're going to need a password to get in. So let me give you a password for today. Let's make it sleep. So to see this funny picture, the password to get in is sleep. But those work pretty well. You know, I'm sure there are better ones out by now. But when I bought these, these were the most reasonably priced ones. And, you know, like I said, they work fine for me. Yeah, they work for they work for a lot of people, especially if you work um, in front of a computer, which a lot of us do these days. So they can just be another tool to help you. It's, you know, it's not the 100% solution. It's a really good tool to have. What about keeping a, a schedule for sleep and wake? I mean, I would argue that most people have a relatively consistent schedule. You know, some people may not like policemen or firemen or, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a whole nother ball of wax right there. Yeah. Shift work, shift workers in general, just, they kind of get the short end of the sleep stick. Yeah. Do you have any, you know, tips for them? For the shift workers, you know, it's a, remember that it's going to take a little more time. I used to work shift work and uh, I have a number of family members that do work shift work as well. Um, So they have, yes, when they're switching between uh, days versus nights. Yes. Will they take melatonin for a couple of days um, to kind of just help reset things? Yes. Um, will they do things like make sure that you've got blackout curtains in your bedroom to make it as dark as you possibly can make it, even to the point of Velcroing the actual curtain to the wall to make sure that that light's not bleeding out from behind the curtain? Um, a lot of shift workers will tell me that that that, that helps a lot. It's, it's definitely not an easy thing and it's, and it takes time to switch back and forth. So you can't, so going from just like night shift to day shift again, yes, your sleep's going to be interrupted, you know, for, you know, a couple of days a week until you get back on it. But one of the things that, that helps a little bit is obviously seeing the sunshine when you're supposed to be awake, you know, get yourself outside, make sure you're not sitting in a dark building, but having more of that regular schedule whatever it is, day or night workers, doesn't matter. But having a regular schedule, we're inherently creatures of habit. Kids are the same way. You know, they, they do so well when they've got a, a more of a routine and a schedule. Same thing for adults. When we're used to going to bed at the same time, roughly every single night, then yeah, we get used to it. We train our brains that, hey, it's this time of night, it's time to go to bed. And you will notice that, wow, I start to get tired. Listen to yourself and go get some sleep. Earlier, you mentioned The Morning Miracle. Were you referencing the, that book, The Morning Miracle book? Have you read that? The Miracle Morning, yes. Miracle Morning, yes. So I read that book. I'll have to read it again because it's been a while. But the gist of it is that there's several practices that very successful people do early in the morning to get their day off on the right foot. It's a really good read. It's a quick read too. So I'll put that in the show notes as well because I think people would be interested in that. But it requires you to get up earlier than you're used to and kind of set your day accordingly. And I remember when I was doing it regularly that by the time it was my bedtime, I was much more tired and could easily (laughs) fall asleep. Do you have any um, feedback or experience with that? Yeah, the the miracle morning. I mean, mine's mine's fairly short. It's like 30 minutes or less, but yes, it's, I'm getting up at the same time every single morning and I'm getting up and 
getting some things around my house, sitting down, maybe doing five minutes of meditation, just letting my mind go and just kind of wake up. Then it's scheduling myself for the rest of the day. Okay, what do I have on my calendar? What are some things that I need to do today? Maybe I had that to-do list from the night before that I need to, to squeeze a few things in, get my breakfast started, have a have my, you know, first have my first cup of coffee and, you know, kind of just I have time for myself in the morning. And yes, it's it has become a regular habit. It took some time to get there. It's it's not an overnight process. It's not a week process. It, it took me a few weeks to really get used to get up, get all these you know little things on my checklist done, and then the rest of the house wakes up. Do you do it every day? Like, do you let yourself sleep in on the weekends, or does that just mess up your whole routine? Uh, I usually don't sleep in too much. Um, it's rare that I stay up way past my bed, my normal bedtime. Um, and in those cases that I do, I still wake up at the same time every single morning because that's what I'm used to doing. Just like my kiddo will still wake up at 6.30 every single morning because that's when she's used to getting up to go to school. So the summertime hasn't really changed much. Right. And I got to get up and I usually get up with her. So that's why I'm up by six and six in the morning. I'll, I'll take a nap if I'm, if I'm tired every once in a great while. If, if I've stayed up late the night before, you know, hanging out with family or something, then I'll go take a little nap in the afternoon, just a, a 20 minute power nap. And usually that's enough to keep going. And th- that night, okay. I'm back to bed. No more staying up late. Yeah. And that's a good point. How does taking a nap in the middle of the day affect your sleep pattern? I mean, we know when we have little kids, it does, you know, at some point they drop their nap so that they can sleep through the night and sleep for longer periods of time. Do you find that it's the same with adults? Like adult, if you're, you know, one day I'm super tired, I'm going to take a nap. You know, is there a time limit that you should nap within? Oh yeah. Oh, and and trust me, kids sleep through the night way before they drop naps altogether. It's just a, it's the total amount of sleep that, that kids need and the total amount of sleep that, that adults need. That's seven to nine hours. I mean, like everybody's different. I'm, I'm more like an eight, eight and a half. Some people are more on the, on the seven, seven and a half hour side. So it's figuring out what's the right amount of sleep for me that if I go to bed at the same time, about what time do I wake up? And you kind of see what, what you actually need. But if you don't get you know, your usual amount of sleep at night because of whatever, you know, you stayed out a little late, you did whatever, you had a rough night because the kiddo was sick or something like that. It happens to all of us. Then yeah, you've kind of created a little bit of a sleep debt for yourself. So you're used to getting eight hours of sleep. You only got about six. Well, you're probably going to feel really tired the next day. A nap can help recharge you um, and help you to make up a little bit of that sleep. You'll never completely get rid of your entire sleep debt if you've already got one, but you can absolutely help to make up some of that sleep and, and help with some of that lost sleep. So if you've got time for just a quick power nap, 20 minutes is about all you need. You want to make sure that you're not sleeping that full sleep cycle, which for adults is like an hour and a half long. So if, you, if you've ever taken a long nap, an hour, you know, I always wake up at an hour and a half why. Um, if you've got just time for a power nap, even just closing your eyes for 20 minutes, you don't have to necessarily sleep, but if you're just that tired, then go close your eyes in a, you know, in a somewhat dark room or just in a quiet place and give yourself a little bit of a break to recharge. You'll feel so much better after you do it. So Christine, you have a great website and I wanted to point listeners to it so that they can learn more about what you do and the services you provide. 
Um, and I know that you give a lot of tips and do webinars directly on your blog. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I actually have a, uh, I have an adult webinar coming up soon. Um, it's probably going, I haven't announced the date yet, but um, if your listeners are interested, then absolutely let me know. Um, I can, we'll include my contact info through the website and it will be, I'll announce it on my newsletter. I will announce it through Facebook and Instagram when, um, when I've got the date set, but it's going to be a little more in depth when it comes to adults and sleep, a little more on the, the sleep needs of what we need as we get older um, and different ways that people can get back to some normal sleep or what they remember as normal sleep feeling natural sleep, like actually feeling tired again and not just wondering why in the world they will fall asleep. So um, it's going to be a really great online course. Um, it'll be about, oh, probably about an hour long. And I think your listeners would really um, benefit by listening. So yeah, let me know. Um, I'll, the announcement of the date will be coming out very soon, but I'll be holding it sometime in September. Yeah, that sounds good. When you know what the date is, let me know and I'll put it on the Facebook page for the podcast too so that people can be alerted to that. Will do. Uh, your website is sleepsolutionsbychristine.com. That's right. So I would encourage you to go head over there and see what she's got on her website. Sign up for her newsletter or sign up for her blog so that you can get the announcement of when that webinar will be out. Or you can head over to the Josiology podcast Facebook page and I'll put the announcement of when that webinar is available for you to have access to it as well. Christine, thank you so much for joining me today and for just having a discussion about all things sleep related for adults. I know that we've just scratched the surface here, but as you said, some of the stuff, the jury's still out. We don't have a lot of studies on this and some of the stuff we do and and what we do know, you know, we can certainly try and test out, but there is no quick or easy answer for people. They just have to try things out and see what works for them. And if it's not working, then you should really seek the help of your medical professionals because there might be something else going on that's creating this problem for you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I know that we'll get a chance to chat again soon. Thank you. Hey friends, listen, if you're finding any value in this episode today, would you mind sharing it with a friend? If you don't know how to do that, just email me, josie at josiology.com. We also give tips and hints on how to do that on the Facebook page, which is at Josiology Podcast. Of course, you can just send your friends directly to the website, josiology.com, where they can see a list of all the episodes that we have done so far and the episodes that are coming up. We would love your help to spread the word. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Hey, Let's do it again next week.